Stewart's sick. No, I'm just kidding. He's not. But I'm glad that you're here. There'll be some more come in in a moment. But we're going to go ahead and get started. And uh, we're going to sing Stand Up for Jesus. Since we're talking about being steadfast, unmovable, then let, you know, let's be steadfast and stand for the Lord, all right? Hymn number 502, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Do the first, second, and last verses, okay? We'll sing a little bit and get Brother Stewart in the... He needs a little time, you know? <laughs> all right, sing out with me, all right? Sing loud. Here we go. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss from Trumpet, call obey, forth to the mighty conflict in this his glorious day. Ye that are men now serve him against unnumbered foes. Let courage rise with danger and strength to strength of foes. Let's go ahead and do the third verse, all right? on the third. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his We're back at 50%, all right? I think we're back at 50 So, y'all, now this is the last verse. We should have been on 80 on the last verse, all right? So, uh, I'll let you slide, and we'll do 80 on this verse, all right? How many of you can do 80? How many of you ate a whole lot of potato a while ago? All right. You, all right, we'll do the best you can, all right? Here we go on the last verse. Sing it with me. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. This day, the noise of battle, the next, the victor's song. To him that overcometh, he with the king of John, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? Amen. Hymn number 363. Saved by the water. All right. I'll just send if y'all paying any attention, all right? Y'all believe that? <coughs> I hope not. <laughs> if you do, you're in trouble, amen. Saved by the blood. 
Let's do that first, second, and last verses, all right? Saved by the blood. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Now ransomed from sin and new work begun. Sing praise to the Father and praise to the Son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. If you believe it, say amen. Now, okay, so when we're going to sing that fourth verse, when we get down on the chorus, <clears throat> sing it like you mean it, amen? Amen, Miss Brenda. You're going, me and you, we're going to sing it like we mean it, all right? Everybody else just kind of follow along with us, okay? Here we go on that last verse. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. All hail to the Son. say say amen amen you may be seated <clears throat> just a couple of things real quick please now don't forget sunday is our chili cook-off beans or no beans amen amen we've heard both sides brother brother Stewart will eat either one so it doesn't it you know it doesn't matter but uh, we're gonna have a good time yeah but but really, it, uh, if some folks uh, don't eat chili, then just if you'll, some folks will bring something to go along with that. We'll, whatever you bring, I'm certain it'll get ate. All right. Uh, we need some side dishes as well to go with that. So uh, I think there's a sign-up sheet out there. No? Just bring something? Just bring something, okay? All right. So uh, uh, make sure it's good, all right? Uh, if, if I, I haven't eaten anything back there yet that's not good. Uh, if it's new, we'll get Malachi to taste it because he'll eat anything, okay? And uh, But please don't forget about that. Also, there will be no soul winning Saturday morning, okay? Weather's still 
uh, just too cold for that. So um, please uh, remember that. Now we still have some things going on around the church, but uh, no soul winning Saturday. Uh, I want you to also remember that on Sunday morning uh, that uh, all of our, from young people up, will be meeting in here for Sunday school. Brother Stewart will be teaching Sunday school as well Sunday. Uh, he may need the extra time anyway, you know. Uh, he may get hung up tonight or tomorrow and, and need an, an, an extra spot. So, uh, uh, but please, uh, if you want coffee and donuts, just, uh, you know, we'll have some in there at 9 o'clock. And uh, donuts till then, about 9.20, we'll head in here and uh, see what the Lord has for us. But please, uh, don't forget about that. Otherwise, read your bulletin. Everything is in there. Amen. Shake your head this way. Amen. So please don't forget about that. And uh, let's just pray. And the Lord help us have a good day uh, Sunday. Now, tomorrow night, same thing. We're coming back, 8 to 5.30. And uh, I think it's just sandwiches tomorrow, right? We're just having sandwiches. I like bologna. Amen. With some Miracle Whip. Some chips. Amen. And, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> I think there still may be some dessert back there. If you brought dessert today and it didn't get all ate, go ahead and leave it. We'll take care of it tomorrow night, okay? Uh, but, uh, but tomorrow night's sandwich is 5.30, so please come. And let me encourage you, call folks. I know we've got a lot of folks that aren't feeling good. They're getting better. Uh, Megan and a bunch of those folks, Brother, uh, Brother Shelton, of course, and, and the Hartgraves, they, they're doing better today. Uh, but we've got several that are just not feeling good, so please keep them uh, in your prayers, all right? Um, let's, um, I can't think of any, is anything else going on? No, good. Well, we're going to pray, and we're going to have an offering. Amen. Good, amen. I like, that, was, that wasn't too bad. So uh, <clears throat> the way traffic was tonight, it, it took uh, Brother Stewart two hours to get here. And he only lives about 10 minutes away. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I know, right? 10 miles. And Brother Tracy took them 45 minutes to go 10 miles. So, uh, coming. So, we've got a lot of folks that drive, so keep them in your prayers too, all right? Well, let's pray. We'll pray for our offering, and, and uh, then we'll have a song, and we'll have Brother Stewart come. Father, we pray that you'd uh, continue to be with us tonight, Lord. Thank you for these that are here. And, Lord, we pray for those that are not feeling well. I pray, God, that your hand will be upon them. And, Lord, that you'll help us, everybody, to be back uh, this coming Sunday. But, Lord, this uh, tonight, we, we're here to hear from you. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help us, uh, Lord, to hear from the Spirit of God through uh, the message that you've laid upon uh, Brother Stewart's heart. So, Lord, help him. Give him liberty tonight as well. I pray, Lord, that tomorrow night, God, that our other folks will be back. We had several that were here last night didn't make it back tonight. So I pray, God, that you'd speak to their hearts and... Lord, that tomorrow night we'll have another good crowd. And, and so, Lord, we just ask you to help us, Lord. Bless us, Lord. We pray that you bless this offering. Uh, bless the gift and the giver. And we'll give you the praise for it because it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have an offering, you please come.
hymn number 676, The Lily of the Valley. Let's all stand once again, and we'll just sing the first and the last verse, and, and, uh, and then we'll have our special come and, and uh, sing for us, all right? 676, first and last verse. baby sister here tonight. She just came all the way over just to see me. Now, and see, nobody said amen or nothing. Shake hands with your neighbor and then you may be seated. Thank you. 
They know what's going on in heaven. Thieves of the Cross, favorite song. Because it tells his story, doesn't it? Thank you, ladies. All right, Daniel chapter 1, just a few verses before we get to chapter 2. The clock was especially rude last night, but uh, I'm good-natured, and I'll just live with that clock. But uh, to cloak Brother Shelton, Daniel chapter 1, look at a few statements here. We're going to be in chapter 2 tonight, and uh, I've always been a man of few words. <clears throat> and even so, this whole conference could be on Daniel 2. It is that amazing. And it preaches itself. We're going to go through and give a running commentary and get some information in front of us. And I'm not on? I, I looked at it three or four times, and I thought I turned it on. I got to repeat all that? I guess it's not coming on. I turned it, I thought I went green. Yeah, it's not coming on. It's just test, 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 test. Inside, you mean? Yeah, it was an on button. Wow, there. you can hear my voice from here. Okay, <laughs> I turned the on button. Okay. Yeah. It, would you tell the audience it wasn't me? Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kept pushing the button. It said door to batteries. No, but anyway. All right. Did anybody hear what I said before? Yeah. I have one of those kind of squeaky voices, you know. So sorry to make all the 
clicking here. Let's go home. All right. Daniel chapter 1, all right? Chapter 2 is full. We're going to kind of do a running commentary. What that means is I'm not going to literally run, but we're going to kind of clip through there, let the story unfold, and uh, kind of look at Nebuchadnezzar, the wise men, and Daniel, and so forth. But when we get down toward the end, there's some very precise things. I got a little brochure here for you tonight, and it's going to highlight some of the things we're talking about. And uh, this is a map of a touching base with you on last night, and this is kind of an image here, so you can kind of get an idea of what's going on here. There's a lot to say, and let me say, why do we have this big statue? Well, because you see in chapter 3 that Nebuchadnezzar had a 90-foot ego. The image in Daniel chapter 3 is 90 feet tall, and it's gold. It may have set on a pedestal, it may be 60 feet or 50 feet tall, but the overall thing was at least 90 feet tall. And it may have been covered with gold. I don't know if it was solid gold. That would be a lot of gold. But, you know, we don't know for sure. But it was gold to the eye. And what he's basically saying is, don't tell me that Babylon is going to be defeated by another nation later. He defied what he is being told here later. Okay? And that's important. Because you think after chapter 2, this guy's ready to get saved. And he's ready to be, you know, a great voice for God. No, not till chapter 4. He's got to lose his mind for seven years. And I told you it was probably Daniel that held the kingdom together for him. Okay? So look at chapter 1, and you know that 10 days of eating a certain kind of a diet of beans. I didn't say it was chili. I just, there were some beans, <laughs> peas, and lentils or whatever. That's basically the interpretation of pulse. Not necessarily a salad, but some type of a thing along those lines and basically what we told you was the food these guys ate was very rich and who knows what they're eating so the Jews had dietary laws you don't have to travel very far to find out that people eat things you have no business eating okay and I know in Europe now they're trying to get people used to eating insects so I don't know what their diet was but it wasn't the healthiest okay so there's actually a physical principle here and then the Bible tells you that God's at work look at verse 17 before we pray chapter 1 and as for these four children Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael and Daniel that's their Jewish names God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom think of Solomon Okay, think of Solomon, how God gave him wisdom. But this, I think, is even of a more spiritual nature. Solomon got basically what we would call business acumen. He got winsomeness. Remember when Solomon first came to the throne, he was very young. And you kind of get the idea that David was just too busy, really, with all those boys, several wives. And he said, I don't even know how to walk in and into a room and, and leave a room. I'm not even uh, man enough to really know what to do here. And God, I'm humbled. I need your help. And remember, God said, ask whatever you want, money, et cetera, et cetera. He said, I want wisdom. I want wisdom. And he got it. But it wasn't an instant spirituality. It was basically insight beyond his years on how to conduct the kingdom, so to speak. All right? Now, he became pretty spiritual for a while, and he got off track. And thank God, before he died, he got back on track. But these guys, I want to just kind of jump ahead here for a second. Watch for prayer. Prayer plays a very big part in Daniel. 
If you want to just study prayer, study the life of Samuel. Study the life of Daniel. Prayer is very big here. I think if you take prayer out, you don't have this story. That's a little hint because he's going to get in trouble for his prayer life later. We don't earn favor from God by praying. God didn't look down and go, man, that's 30 minutes. Here's a little more grace. He's knocking on 45 minutes now. No, it's not that way. Okay, so just watch this, okay? So verse 17, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. That's the ability to apply knowledge. And Daniel had understanding, knowledge, skill, learning, wisdom, understanding. That pretty well covers it, doesn't it? And all visions and dreams. Now the scriptures are still being written. We didn't have the completed Bible. The New Testament's not even written yet. And God is giving revelation through various means. That is a vulnerable economy. We don't need dreams and revelations today. That takes away the authority of the Word of God. We have the Word of God. Revelation 22 tells us this is it. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Okay? But in these times, in these situations, God is working that way. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, that's three years, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed, dialogued with them. And among them all was found none like, look what it says here, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Hey, they got Babylonian names, but it's not being spoken of that way. Notice we're staying in a, in a Jewish Hebrew culture their roots, their origins. Somebody got to these boys earlier, some by these, plural, because these young men are extremely spiritual. And it says here, therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. I.E., he made them look bad. Those wise men, they had housing, they had clothing, they had food. They were treated like something very special. And Daniel continued. Even, that's a big even, because when we see him in the lion's den in a few days, the literal lion's den there, i.e., ideally tomorrow night, but I just allowed myself a little room because of what your pastor said, you know. He's probably about 80 years old when he's in the lion's den. Look at the pictures you see, the classic pictures of Daniel in the lion's den. He's an old man. He continued. He was steadfast. He stayed by the stuff. It's prayer, but there's something with that, okay? So just stay with it. The king, the first year of King Cyrus, that's the Medo-Persian king that's going to follow, not just Nebuchadnezzar. After Nebuchadnezzar dies, there's a bunch of lightweights that kind of run the country. The country ends up running them and it collapses. And here comes Cyrus, who, by the way, can we throw this in because, again, we've only got three hours tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday morning, okay? <laughs> Cyrus was named by name in Isaiah 44 and Isaiah 45, 
over a hundred years before he was born, named. And Medo-Persia was not even a power yet. And God said, a man by the name of Cyrus is going to come, and he's going to let my people go back and rebuild the temple and the city, etc. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? What if you're reading the Bible for the first time and you found your name mentioned by Paul and said you were going to live in Carrollton, Texas, or go to a church in Carrollton, Texas, that would, that, would that get your attention? Yeah. Get my attention, I'll tell you that, all right? So let's go to chapter 2. Father, bless us now and help us to see this unfold. And your zeal, God, your zeal to take such an interest in us. You just didn't drop us down a hundred facts and we read those hundred facts and we live by those hundred facts. You took all these great truths, all the things that are your attributes and all these great truths and all that you're going to do and you put it in different settings and different situations. You add detail here. You package it to where we can just step back and just marvel at a God who's so hands-on, heads-up, heartfelt. Help us to see that again tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, plural, wherewith his spirit was troubled. <clears throat> I've had some dreams that I have awakened in the middle of the night. And I mean, they were so real, and I've said to myself, what am I going to do? I'm just, I'm sitting and I'm going, man, why? And I'm, I'm still kind of waking up, and I'm kind of rehearsing it, and I mean, it's like, what am I going to do? And I kind of look around, and, and maybe I sit up in the bed, and I call for Daniel. No, 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 and I go, I, wow. And I think, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't live in that house. I don't drive a Ford. I don't drive a Toyota. What, what, what? That was a dream. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever had that. I don't know if you ever had a dream that was that, that cloudy at first. Have you ever had those? Even when you realize they're a dream, it can put you in a weird mood. Yeah. You ever had a dream that you knew it was a dream, but it puts you in a weird mood? Yeah. Hello? It was, is it just me and Nebuchadnezzar? <laughs> My wife had a nightmare. She dreamed she got married. She woke up and it was true. But anyway, <laughs> he, he was troubled, okay? Troubled. Now you got to realize this kingdom is full of all this kind of stuff and Satan is having a, a heyday with these guys, okay? And look what it says here. His sleep raked from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers, and the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, that's that intelligentsia among the Babylonian empire, for to show the king his dreams, he sent out a group text. I mean, <laughs> before there was Twitter, there, I mean, he, he, he Instagrams, he sent it out, and boy, their phones are going off, and lights are going off, and loudspeakers are going off. These guys headed that way to the king. So they came and they stood before the king. I don't know exactly what time of the day it was, whatever, but they got there and they're wondering what is going on. Now realize he's not been king very long, his second year. Right. Watch. He's going to find out if his dad, Nebuchadnezzar, 
he inherited these guys. He's going to find out these guys are for real. I mean, you know, it's costing him some money. Right. Let's find out how real these guys are. Right. Daniel kind of made him wonder, you know. Now, there's a time thing here. We don't know what Daniel's influence was totally at this time. you got three years and two years going on here. This is kind of sandwiched in there. But look at verse 3. And the king said to them, I have dreamed a dream. Don't think he probably sounded like that? You think he went, I had a dream. And no, no. This guy has to rule by fear. I mean, intimidation. You cross me and you won't know what happened. I've dreamed a dream. And my spirit was troubled to know the dream. They're listening. They, they, you know, they don't know each other all that well, and this is kind of their first big test. And they're kind of looking at each other over, and they got their crystal balls, and they've got their palms, and they got Gene Dixon. Remember Gene Dixon? They got one nine hundred numbers to dial. They got the horoscope and the Babylonian beacon or whatever. I mean, they're they're ready. Tea leaves. Isn't it silly what people do when they get little sparks off an anvil when they have this? Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, you shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. That's not his rhetoric. They would, they, in those days, this would be the ultimate. Their, their homes, where they live, their estate, whatever they're associated with, would become a trash dump. And for generations to come, they would say, well, that was a home of so-and-so, and it's a dunghill. That's where you dump the trash, the garbage, literally. You talk about shaming, and nobody would want to study the genealogy and say, we were related to one of the wise men of Nebuchadnezzar. That's where I got my name. I'm Zaphnath Zero the third. No, keep reading. But if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, if you'll show me why I should be paying you and clothing you and housing you and feeding you, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor, therefore. Show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of a certainty that you would gain the time because ye see the thing is gone from me. But if you will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you. For ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the time be changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me the interpretation thereof. 
Some people reading this and studying this wonder if he really didn't know the dream. If he's just saying, I mean, it's one thing to say, here's my dream. They go, oh, okay, it means this, and it means this, and it means this. I mean, these guys are probably pretty good at snowballing. They're probably pretty good at uh, making it sound real efficient. Yeah, we all agree, King. You know, in fact, before you had this dream, we were talking along these lines, and yeah, we're ready for this. But if they can tell him what he dreamed and get the interpretation, that carries a little bit more weight. I don't know. I lean toward he probably did forget it. But here we go. Because I think that's what it's being said here. But for what it's worth, we are talking about Nebuchadnezzar, not a prophet. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, oh, there, there's not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there's no king, lord, or ruler that asks such things that any magician or astrologer or Chaldean, king, with, with all due respect, such a request has never been made before by any king. We're supposed to tell you what you dreamed and you've forgotten it and, and tell you what it means? That's never been asked before. And it's a rare thing the king requireth. There's none other that can show it before the king except the gods. Look at the next statement. The gods whose dwelling, notice not just visitation, whose dwelling is what? With flesh, is not with flesh. I know a God that became flesh. The only true God. And he came down here and dwelled for 33 and a half years in our midst. When you took the Passover lamb, you took it away from the flock. You didn't go out and buy one ideally. It was one of your sheep. You took the lamb from among the flock. Jesus ate what we ate, drank what we drank, slept where we slept. He was in our midst, God of the universe. John says in 1 John chapter 1, we handled, we saw, we beheld, and we heard, and we handled God in the flesh. By the way, before and after the resurrection. In his resurrected body, you can touch him. Amen? Yeah, go read the last chapters of the Gospels. Amen? By the way, he had a body like we're going to have. He would appear and disappear. Pretty amazing, amen? You're going to have one just like that. And I'm going to tell you Sunday even more about it. Because Daniel 12 talks about it. Amen. Don't read ahead though, please. No, okay, all right. All right, here we go. Now watch this. For this cause, the king was angry. And by the way, Nebuchadnezzar could get very angry. Remember later on the furnace? He said, I don't care about Reliant Energy. I don't care about TXU. I don't care about Atmos. You turn that heat up seven times hotter. There were some people who said, well, they didn't have the ability in those days to eat, heat things up that hot, whatever, so Well, just, just keep digging. There was a great scientist, archaeologist, writer, preacher named Clifford Wilson from Australia. He had a book, and he would lecture on this many times. World War II vet, by the way, from Australia. Every time we had him in to preach at Regency, later on at Victory out the seminary, he said, I want to say something. Are there any World War II veterans out here? And people raised their hand. He said, I want to thank you, because it hadn't been for the Americans, their Navy, etc. Australia would have been run over. I was in the Australian Navy 
And I want to thank you, veterans, again for what you did for the world. He would do that every time. He's an amazing man. He made this statement. Whenever they make a find that contradicts the Bible and archaeology and paleontology, whatever, technical archaeology, so forth, keep digging. And he gave stories about they said this, they said that, the Belteshazzar never lived, and lo and behold, they found the name on Nida cylinder. It's Fad Road. It's got Belshazzar's name on it. And so, well, I guess he did live. And he was second in the kingdom. That's why Daniel's offered a third place, see? The book of Daniel is astounding. Three prophecy timetables. That's history written beforehand. When this was written, Medo-Persia hadn't come yet, okay? Greece hadn't come yet. Rome had not come yet. We are on the feet today. It's 2,600 years later. And by the way, when Rome fell by the wayside temporarily, that was 2,000 years. But something's happening in our world tonight. And tomorrow, and next week. Well, I thought I heard a trumpet, sorry, excuse me. But anyway... <laughs> You know, you know how it is, imagination. Can I watch this? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, okay, calm down. Right, here we go, watch this. Amen. And look what happens here. He was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. That would include Hananiah, Nazariah, and Mishael, and Daniel. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. Oh, man, I just got a text message from the king. We're done for. And they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. They didn't run with those boys. Do you notice that? They're separate from them. By the way, it was mutual. All right, look at verse 14. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty for the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. You get the idea here that Daniel had respect. These guys respected him. He didn't say, get away from me, dead man. No. Remember, God was with Daniel. God brought Daniel into favor. By the way, you know why you're here tonight? You know why you are where you are today? Because God has extended favor to you. You want to know a synonym for favor? Grace. Read Ruth chapter 2. Same, same Hebrew word. Freely given favor, even unto enablement. Grace. Amen. Amen. Roy Rogers had it down. He was right. May the good Lord take a liking to you. Amen. Now watch. He said, Brother Stuart, can you just read it? No, there's too much drama here. Besides, the clock's going very slow. All right, here we go. And this is what happened. Then Daniel went in, verse 16, and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. He said, you got 16 minutes. No. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mizrael, and Asriah, his companions, that they would desire mercies, not getting the punishment you deserve, of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel's fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Amen. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. Yeah. 
for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and presidents and congressmen and governors. And setteth up kings and congressmen and governors and supreme court judges. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know. Knowledge to them, knowledge to them that know understanding. The wording here is so full. He revealeth the deep and secret things. Really? Where do I go? Right here. Amen. You don't turn your brain off to read the Bible. You have to start elevating it. I'm telling you. It makes a dumb cluck like me sound like he knows something. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. Look at the praise. Look at the praise for God. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers. Embrace the God of your fathers and mothers. Well, the reason I love the hymns is my parents sang the hymns. My grandparents sang the hymns. My great-grandparents sang the hymns. The great men and women down through time sang those hymns, and we get to sing them together. I remember as a child at Temple Baptist Church listening to those songs. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. I love that second verse. From my heart all idols have been torn. Man. No, never alone. I, I can't sing. I'm under contract, okay? <laughs> Not to sing. But anyway, what I'm saying to you is, I want the faith of my fathers. You're not supposed to have a, a form of Christianity for every generation. It's the faith. Once delivered to the saints, passed down through time. Yeah, a new song can be written if it's done properly, the right theology, amen? Okay, back to our notes. Look at this. God of my fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Aaron, Joshua, who hast given me wisdom and might and hast made known unto me what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Boy, he's confident. You know why I'm up here tonight? It's not in me. My confidence is in this. Amen. Amen. I'm sure this is true. Amen. Daniel's sure what he's saying is true. Look what, ha- look what happens here. I-, I love this. Watch this. And Arioch, verse 25, brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus unto him, I have found a man. Really, I thought Daniel found him. I thought Daniel said, ho, 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 hurry up. Hey, wait a minute. Don't be so hasty. I'll get the dream and the interpretation. Oh, okay. Well, get it done. Now, this is what he could have said. Let's go back and look at it. Okay. And Herak brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus unto him, This man came to me, Daniel, and he said that he could tell you the dream and the interpretation. I have found a man. He's got confidence because if Daniel doesn't do it, his head's going off now with Daniel's. He must think a lot of Daniel. Amen? I don't think he's a believer at this time. Okay, now watch this. You know what's exciting? A lot of these Bible characters we read about, we're going to meet some of them in heaven. Yeah, Daniel, but some of these Gentiles around them, a lot of them got saved. I told you, Nebuchadnezzar could be in heaven. 
You want to read ahead? Go to chapter 4. Okay, but anyway, not now when you get home, but watch this. The king, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. Not Belshazzar, Belteshazzar. Art thou able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise man, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king? But I can. No, 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 no. But there is a God, singular, a God, Elohim. There is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. Oh, by the way, just for fun, you like having fun? Go to Hebrews 4.12 for just a second. Hebrews 4.12, revealeth secrets. There's a God, Kevin, that revealeth secrets. Look at Hebrews 4.12. They say, why'd you do that? Because he's one of our students. He's doing a good job. He's a blessing. Look at Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick. It means alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. A two-edged sword is for piercing, not hacking. Watch this. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Wow, that's pretty high tech. Laser surgery can't even do that. Separate between the soul and the spirit. That's the innermost part of your being, and that's where God works. He gets in between the soul and the spirit, makes you look at yourself in the mirror of the Word of God, and He begins to do His work. Amen. Watch. Am I getting too excited? Really, it's just just the Word of God. I mean, okay, all right, here we go. Now watch this. Even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow. Make sure you get the physical picture of what's happening spiritually. And as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God can see where nobody else can see. And God can work and nobody else can work. If you're here tonight and you're saved, he's done it in your life. Look what it says here. There is a God in heaven that reveals secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. Now, do you feel this, do you feel this is drama? Do you feel like this is dramatic? Do you feel like there's an audience? Do you feel like people are leaning into this? God could have said, okay, Nebuchadnezzar, come here. Come here, come here. Okay, this is what it means. Got it? All right, shut up and sit down. He's pulling people in. God knew 2,600 years ago we'd be here tonight doing this. What a God. What a book. I have heard this preached dozens of times. I've preached it dozens of times. And it's still fantastic. I'm seeing stuff right now I haven't even seen before. Okay, here we go. Watch this. Get my glasses off. I can really see. These are for seeing far away. Y'all still here? Okay. Now watch this. (laughs) I feel at home. That's dangerous. Okay, but here we go. All right, here we go. Here we are. And he said, Thy dream and visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? It's prophetic. What you saw is a preview of what's coming. Nebuchadnezzar leans in a little bit. 
And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. He keeps deflecting up to God. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation of the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. In other words, you got this vision of being this big shot. You got this vision, everything revolving around you. I'm going to tell you ahead of time, King, you got a 90-foot ego. And God's going to pop that ego. Thou, O King, sawest behold a great image. Yeah, 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 that was it. This great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee, and the form there was terrible. It was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold. Oh, fine gold. His breast and arms are of silver. Yes. His belly and his thighs of brass. Yes. Now, the other wise men, I told you yesterday, they got mixed emotion because they don't like Daniel. How many have ever heard Art Wilson preach? Art Wilson, years ago. He started my hometown church in 1939. Amen. Started 40-some churches. I heard him preach this. I, saw, I had him in to preach at Youth Camp Pot of Gold. Where's, uh, where did, uh, oh, right there. Do you remember Art Wilson, the 80-some-year-old preacher coming to Pot of Gold? You remember him killing Goliath? You remember, I think he preached this one of these here. He called them the Bean Boys because they wouldn't eat the Babylonian food. And he said, the wise men, boy, they hated those Bean Boys. But they sure hoped Daniel had the right answer. Amen? This is more fun than football on TV, isn't it? Watch it. You know that leather thing? It looks like an egg. It's got a black bladder and air in it. And they, okay. But anyway, watch this. Here we go. And he says, And his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet, part of iron and part of clay. That's interesting. Thou sawest how the stone was cut out without hands. This pictures the virgin birth of Christ. Christ was supernaturally conceived in the womb of Mary. The Holy Spirit shall ever shadow thee. That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be the, the Son of God, etc. And smote the image upon his feet that were iron and clay and break them to pieces. These empires you're going to see are going to come and, come and go and they're going to have the final manifestation in the end times. And just about the time it looks like God's not in this, here comes Jesus Christ at the second coming. Watch. Then was the iron, the clay, and the brass, verse 35, and the silver and the gold broken to pieces together, become like the chaff, grind down to powder of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Filled the whole earth. Messianic kingdom, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, that was the dream, and that is some interpretation. I mean, he's, he's trying to sort it out. Well, Daniel's not done. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation there before the king. The king says, wow, you can interpret it even more fine-tuned? Yes. Thou, king, art a king of kings. Well, you got that right. Here comes that ego again. You say, what are you, what are you, who are you? Have you read chapter 4? 
This guy's ego personified. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. He's telling the Jews who are in captivity, even God uses Gentile, heathen kings, etc. He raised up Nebuchadnezzar for a reason. And by the way, if the Jews aren't going to reach out to the Gentiles, let's shove them among the Gentiles, like I told you yesterday, and let's get some Gentiles saved. Amen. Amen. What did God tell Abraham? I will bless the world, Abrahamic covenant, I will bless the world through thy seed. God bless the clock and stop it. Amen. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, the God of heaven that giveth thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory, and wheresoever the children of man dwell, the beasts of the field, the fowls of heaven hath given unto thine hand, and hath made thee rule over them all. Thou art this head of gold. Babylon reached far beyond modern day Iraq. You read about uh, uh, the king in the book of Esther. That king in Esther, what's his name? Ahasuerus. He ruled from Ethiopia all the way to India, 127 provinces. That comes later. These kings were mighty. Ahasuerus had a Pony Express mail delivery system back then. Read about it. Camels and horses delivering mail all across his kingdom. These, the, we can't fathom what these kings ruled like. This is the world power of that day. And look what he says here. Thou art this head of gold. God's given you this. Look at verse 39. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. Think about Alexander the Great. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things. And as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. Four different empires, four different personalities of the rulers and the nature of these powers. Greeks were totally different than Romans in how they ruled. The Medo-Persians were different than the Babylonians in how they ruled. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay. God compares the nations of the world to a potter working with clay. He says among the nations, by the way, those of you that understand this issue in Romans chapter 9, when he's talking about the vessel saying unto the potter, why have you made me thus, etc.?" And he quotes Jeremiah and Isaiah, that vessel's always Israel, it's not an individual. Romans 9 is not talking about any, meeny, miny, mo. God choosing ahead of time who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. Some of you may not know what I'm talking about. The vessel is Israel. God set Israel aside temporarily and went to the Gentiles. He has the right to do that. Romans 9 is not talking about salvation. It's talking about instrumentation. He's explaining to the Jews why he set them aside temporarily. This potter's clay is very important. Now watch this. You know, a potter's clay is, is neat. Okay, now watch this. What verse? Thank you. Don't leave earlier. Stay right where you are. Okay, fine. And whereas thou sawest the feet, toes, part of potter's clay, and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, Potter's clay, miry clay. And as the toes, the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. Whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves. Notice the word they. Notice that and try to go back grammatically and see how that connects. Shall mingle themselves with the seed of man, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. 
In other words, this last end-time Roman revived empire is going to have a different characteristic than the Roman empire that preceded them by 2,000 years. We'll talk a little bit about that in a few moments. We've got to wrap this up. Even as iron is not mixed with clay, in the days of these what? Not nations, kings. A king can rule over more than one nation. So the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left of the people, but it shall, be, it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. You know when Jesus Christ comes back to the second coming, they're going to turn and fight against him, and the Bible says he'll destroy them with the brightness of his coming. And he's going to set up a kingdom out of Jerusalem, literally, and rule for a thousand years. And the knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. Amen. Amen. That could be seven years away. I don't know the rapture going to happen. I'm not setting dates. I don't believe in setting dates. But we're close. Now watch. For as much as thou sawest the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king which shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, the interpretation thereof, sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face. You don't do that. He is so moved, it's like, whoa, I'm in the presence of a God. Of a God, this man's a God. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded they should offer oblation and sweet odors unto him. He says, wow. The king answered to Daniel and said of a truth, it is that your God is a God of gods. You're a lesser God and he's a great God, but you're a God. And the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts, and made him rule over the whole province of Babylon, and the chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested the king that he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, and Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Who is teaching whom? He brought him in. He brought him in to make a Babylonian out of him with some Jewish culture he could draw from. And Nebuchadnezzar is becoming very Jewish. Amen. Kind of like we are. Abraham's our father. Remember at youth camp? I didn't never like the song youth camp. Father Abraham had many sons. We had to go, many sons. I'm trying to be cool. I'm 13 years old. There's a girl here I want to meet. And I'm, you know, I'll sing it now. Thank God I'm a spiritual child of Abraham. Amen. I'm glad, to, I'm, glad I'm grafted in. Amen. Grab your chart for just a second. Let me kind of, now we're going to hit this more when we get to Daniel 7. Not tonight. I'm about done, okay? All right? Don't go anywhere. But anyway, all right, open this up. The head of gold is Babylon, okay? And that actually came true. After Nebuchadnezzar got off the throne, he ruled many years. And if you get a chance, read Jeremiah. He treated, he treated Jer Nebuchadnezzar treated Jeremiah with great respect. Gave him three choices where he wanted to go after he destroyed Jerusalem. It looks like something indeed happened to his heart. We'll see. All right. Now, notice the rock was cut out of the mountain without hands, grinds the image, the powder becomes a mountain. That means a kingdom. Christ ruling over the entire world. In the Bible, today, we look back and in general, Rome, the ancient Roman Empire is revered. Rome, Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar. Well, it started kind of going downhill, Caligula and some of these other guys that came along. But, you know, for a while, it looked pretty good. America is Roman culture, Greek culture, 
and Jewish culture slammed together. Hebrew light, Roman law, Greek logic. That's why they wear those flat, funny hats at graduation. Because we think the Greeks were so wise. Read Acts chapter 17 and see how wise they were. But anyway, what I'm saying to you is this. Romans chapter 1, Paul's addressing the world because Rome is the capital of the world. Jesus came the first time when Rome was in power. When he comes the second time, Rome's going to be in power. Do you notice it split into two legs? It did split into the eastern and the western. Key point, the eastern part of the Roman Empire lasted a thousand years longer than the western. We always think of the western part of the Roman Empire, the European side. No, that, that went away much earlier than the eastern side did. Key stuff. At the end times, see the Roman Empire never totally went away. It has a spiritual, a political, a material uh, aspect to it. Babylon's going to be rebuilt, I think, literally in Iraq. You people say, well, I think it's New York. I think it's Constantinople. I think it's Jerusalem. Okay, we'll find out. We won't be here, but we'll find out. So we can but I think it's going to be literally Babylon rebuilt. You know how long it took them to build Dubai? They got the tallest skyscraper in the world. It keeps catching on fire, but they got the tallest skyscraper in the world. They can build, you got the money, you can build quick. Hussein started it, they're starting it back up right now. They're actually building, kind of rebuilding it again. There's good. Read Revelation 18, read Revelation 17. The woman riding the beast, Babylon's coming back. The chart I gave you last night, there's Babylon under Nimrod, there's Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar, there's a third Babylon coming. I don't know if the Antichrist's name's going to start with an end, but there's a third one coming. Do you know Saddam Hussein put his imprint, a bas-relief, a raised picture of himself on the brick with Nebuchadnezzar's when he rebuilt it back then, claiming I'm the next great ruler. Well, they found him in a spider hole in the ground later, kind of like Nebuchadnezzar when he went wacko for seven years. The Bible is amazing. There's something about the Middle East. Let me just say a few things, and I'll pull this together and leave you hanging on a few things, but give you something to think about. Okay? If the rapture, I'm not saying it's going to, but if the rapture happened tonight, it will not be the America in a matter of hours that you and I know. Look what's happening right now with us here. You know, the salt's lost a lot of its savor, but we're still here. America will not be the America. We're going to lose military people, Congress people, emergency people, doctors and lawyers and nurses and all kinds of people. This city, this country will be in, in shambles quickly. It's all going to go back to the Middle East. Israel's got a piece of property the size of Rhode Island, and every president's had to deal with her. You see, you know, you got uh, Nixon over there. You had LBJ and those guys way back with 1967 and 1973, other guys. You had, you know, Bill Clinton wanted to get in on that. You had Bushes over there. Mr. Trump. They've all had something to do with it. They have to deal with that little strip of country. There's something going on over there. Okay? So you got the revered Roman Empire. The Bible says it's going to revive at the end times. Halfway through the tribulation, three of the ten kings are going to rebel against the Antichrist. And he's going to put down those three kings. Revelation 17. He's going to put down those three kings. There'll be seven left. Because he's going to say, after suffering the head wound where he either dies or should have died, recovers or comes back to life, 
He turns his back on the Jews. He suddenly starts trying to destroy them. The two witnesses are preaching. 144,000 get saved because the two witnesses preaching. Probably Moses and Elijah. If you're a Jew and Moses shows up and you know he's Moses, remember the Mount of Transfiguration? And Elijah shows up and they tell you Jesus was the Messiah, most of them are going to believe him. There's going to be 144,000 Jews saved witnessing. And the Antichrist is going to come after him. And the false prophet is going to say, this is God. It's going to be amazing. The Bible says even the elect would be deceived. It's going to be so amazing. The Bible says in Thessalonians, he's going to do lying wonders. Satan's going to have liberty to do things he's never done before. What are UFOs? High tech? Stuff that tells we don't know about? People's imaginations or demonic powers getting people ready for the great lie. The great lie of Thessalonians. I'm telling you. We're living in amazing times. Oh, by the way, God's in control. Amen. America didn't just rise on its own, folks. Amen. It's going to be the revised Roman Empire. Revive, revived and then revised because there's going to be seven kings. And Antichrist is going to sputter out just like Nebuchadnezzar all did. That was prophecy. Now look, this is the old Roman Empire in the days of Christ. This is 100 when the book of Revelation was written. Okay, I said the days of Christ, I mean 30, his ministry, all the way up to the first century. North Africa, southern half of Europe, and the Middle East. Rome was in control of Israel when Jesus came the first time. On the back is an old photograph that came down through cyberspace. They had color photography back there. See the head? See the chest and arms? Flip over it. Here's the dates. Here's the basic information. What is that iron mixed with clay? Some people think it's, it's telling us the Roman Empire will never get the strength that it had before. There'll be, there'll be people that won't quite go along with it. They won't be that cohesive. It's only seven years. That's not very long. When I was a kid, I think, wow, seven-year tribulation. I've lived more than seven years. Seven years goes fast. Some of you don't believe it. You're too young. Jerusha back there, we're at U-Camp. Our, our youngest daughter was born while we were at U-Camp. My wife, I said, honey, wait till I get back. I wasn't going to go. She said, no, honey, you go ahead and go. I'm fine. And she hadn't had trouble with the other 24 kids. But anyway, two kids. And uh, I said, no. She said, no, you got, I'm a pastor. I got to, I'm running the U-Camp for a week. Got to play volleyball, amen? Those late night volleyball games? I heard somebody say, Jerusha, Jerusha. I thought, where's Jerusha? Who's Jerusha? My, my little baby's here. What are you? No. I found out that George White had a daughter named Jerusha, a sister of some great preacher, okay? And I talked to her. I said, hey, how do you like the name Jerusha? She says, I hate it. No, she said, I like it. Fine. I said, we had our daughter born last year while we were at camp on a Friday. And I got back that night. I saw her that night, but she was born early Friday morning. And I said, we named her Jerusha. We were in a restaurant the other day, Cracker Barrel. And we got talking to this lady there that works there. We did, you know, it was a conversation. And she, we saw that her name was Jerusha. Somehow it came up, her name was Jerusha. We said, we got a daughter named Jerusha. It's been 40, it's been, let's see, what are you, 32? <laughs> it was, it was, it would have been 88, 89, somewhere in there. I hadn't seen her since, those, since the other day in Cracker Barrel. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you've been here when I've been here before. I don't know. Seven years is nothing. Right. Or it's the Jews. They won't mingle with the Gentiles. They try to be, they won't become part of that one world system. There's two or three other ideas, but there's something not quite right. 
Well, what are you going to do in seven years? What are you going to do in three and a half years? God protects the Jews down at Petra. It's amazing. Daniel gave the king the interpretation. Isn't that an amazing story? Now, tomorrow night, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, real quick glances at them. A little bit quick glance at chapter 6. Because Sunday, we got to get those four beasts coming out of the Mediterranean. That is extremely interesting. You may be seeing them sticking their heads up right now and bringing them back down. Because the Mediterranean pictures Gentile powers. Okay? All right? Now, let me just say this just before I turn over to your pastor. I, I, I'm, I'm with my unusual self. I kind of got loose up here and kind of silly and crazy, okay? You just can't sit here and tell this story and say, let's go home. There, this is such an amazing thing. I wish I was a better preacher, a better actor, a better <laughs> drama, okay? But you got, you got what's going on here. Look at the God. He tells us this over and over different times. Look how he packages it. It was for you that he wrote this as much as anybody else. God only made one man, Adam. And from Adam came the entire human race. Why did God do that? To show you by precedent how important. There's 25 things in Genesis 1 that shows how worthy, how much God values man. The greatest thing God did to value humankind is he became one of us forever. Jesus is a member of the human race. From now on, he's God and he's man. He's the son of God, he's the son of man. He sits at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says in Ephesians, you're seated together in heavenly places in Christ. He represents you here on the earth. That's why you get baptized. It's just as though you died. It's just as though you were buried. It's as though you rose from the dead. Act like it. Walk in newness of life. Daniel had a prayer life that's astounding. This is the time to pray as you've never prayed before. We don't have very long to get people saved. And they're coming in all around us. I think we ought to have secure borders. I think it's dangerous. And that's one issue and that needs to be addressed. But in the meantime, people are coming here we could have never gotten to. Let's reap the harvest before it's too late. A week, a month, a year, a few years from now. Pray and witness as you never have before. We don't know how long we've got. And then we're out of here. Amen. He's bringing them to us. We may fix the politics, I don't know, and some of them, I'm sure we don't want them here because of who they really are. They're from a hundred and some nations, they're telling us. But they could hear the gospel, amen. I know it's, it's, just, it's disarming. But Saul of Tarsus wasn't very nice till he got saved. Amen. Think about prayer because it's key. Let's all stand as your pastor comes. Went too long. Lord, we come to you, God, in prayer. We thank you for the message. Lord, time is short. God, as Brother Stuart was preaching, I began to wonder about the the song that says, Have thine affections been nailed to the cross? Is your heart right with God? And Lord, as we think about the days ahead of us, Lord, and those folks that need Christ and how close we are to your coming, I pray, God, that we who are here tonight, that our hearts will be right with you so that we can be 
the kind of witness, Father, that Daniel was. And, Lord, we know that we can do it because Daniel did it. And, and so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight to be that kind of a witness, Lord, and help us to be bold in our stand, help us to be steadfast and unmovable, God, as we tell other people about Christ. So, Lord, I pray, God, that for the next few minutes as we uh, just take time to give this invitation, Lord, that folks will come and do business with you, and, Lord, we'll give you the praise for it because it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if the Lord...